I'm James Nguyen, and this is the Inflection AI Analysis episode. Alright, so this is the second analysis episode for the interview with Raza Sayed from Microsoft. So if you haven't gone and listened to that episode, go check it out because a lot of the content we're going to cover in this analysis is going to be structured around what Raza talks about. And you can listen to this as a standalone, but you're going to get the most out of it when you have a little bit of context around really what we're speaking about. So. For anybody who hasn't listened to an analysis episode before, the main purpose here is we're going to unpack detail that we can't explore in the main interviews. Because a lot of our guests, you know, they're experts, they're busy people, and we want to cover breadth with them as well as depth. Uh, We want to be able to pick their brains and go through the insights that they have, having worked in the artificial intelligence space for big enterprises. So... There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of high level that we speak through in those main interviews and, and really here the analysis episode is to dig into those. So for the Raza interview, we'll go right ahead and get into it. What he talks about as a really overarching theme here is the idea of data. And again, I've, I've spoken at length uh, about how data is, you know, to an extent, somewhat cliched in terms of how much attention it's getting, but it's, it's cliched for a good reason. Everybody speaks about data because it is a foundational piece to making any sort of uh, digital strategy work. And we're not just talking about artificial intelligence, you know, from a digital strategy in terms of personalization, in terms of marketing, in terms of advertising, data is super important, but it's even more so important when we're talking about artificial intelligence, which really there's an argument to say that's the level higher in terms of complexity and in terms of impact there. So when we're talking about data, Raza really distills it down to a life cycle, right? And he puts it into three main stages. He says, okay, step number one is you have to make sure you're collecting the right data. And I even want to just drill into that before we go any further, because when when people are talking about the right data, and you can't really see it here, but I'm air quoting um, when I'm saying the right data, and it's because there's a little bit of ambiguity there, right? What does right data actually mean for a business um, in general when you're hearing it? across technical podcasts or you're hearing it in the technology space. And Raza essentially says right data is data that's able to have some sort of uh, impact on a business problem, right? And so when we're thinking about are we collecting the right data, he encourages us to think about the cleanliness of it. And again, you know, I want to unpack this. What is clean data? And really, if you think about it, you think about, uh, let's just take a very simple uh, example of the idea of an email capture form, right? So you go onto a website, you submit your contact information, your first name, your last name, your email address. Now, clean data there would be, um, sorry, let's have a look at unclean data would be, okay, what happens if you type in the wrong email address? Maybe there's a typo, maybe there's not an at sign, you know, maybe the domain is wrong, you know, that would be unclean. Because if the if the form was just to collect that sort of information and not put it through any checking process, then when you're old, when when the actual company is trying to work with that data, whether it is you know from a very rudimentary uh, step to actually just email that person and they can't actually email them, then that data would be unclean. But if we start to you know scale it up and say, okay, well, what happens with, if that company wants to aggregate 
um, and analyze, you know, what sort of domains uh, what sort of domains uh, in their email list, whether it is to identify different companies, whether it is to identify different geographies. All these things, if you start to scale um, up the level of complexity in terms of insights you wanna draw from this data, well, that's not possible if the data is not clean. So the first step, Razor really encourages companies to think about, obviously we took a very simplistic and reductive example there with just email data, but he encourages us to look at collecting the right data and making sure it's clean. And so the layers there that he he talks about is one of the steps and the processes actually involved in collecting that data. So he separates it out. Uh, is the data being manually collected or is the data going through an automated process? Now. Manually collected could be, you know, actual humans inputting data in organ uh, in industries like insurance, in industries like uh, the medical industry. You know, there's a lot of um, physical data entry. You know, copying from PDFs. Um, you know, there's develop developments moving forwards with AI and machine vision, where we're implementing OCR technology or RPA technology, which is a more automated process for collecting data. Um, if we're talking about just manual entry, well, what if a human say hypothetically types the email address wrong, then th that data would be unclean. So what Raza really encourages organizations to think about is, okay, what sort of processes are in place to collect that data? Because if it's more automated, then there is a higher probability that we're going to be able to maintain a cleanliness. If it's manual, then we have to make sure that we are going through uh, checks. So hypothetically, if we, if we take that simplistic example of a human agent putting uh, a data data entry, um, taking it from a PDF and putting it in a, a database or a spreadsheet. What happens if there were two people? You know, there's two layers of checks there to make sure that the people are actually um, inputting the right data. So this is purely from the point of view of uh, cleanliness of that data and accuracy two people in the, the data chain isn't necessarily the most efficient use of people's time, but it is important to note that considering that from a cleanliness point of view is very important. So, you know, when you scale it up and you're actually thinking about a large organization, then you can start to think about, okay, what processes are actually automated? So you just think about it, if people are actually visiting a website, for instance, and we collect data about them and their behavior on the website, the items that they're viewing, potentially items that they're leaving in the checkout cart, this sort of information is being automatically collected versus a manual process where somebody would be watching individual visitors on the site and then tabulating what items that they're looking at or what items they're leaving in the checkout cart. So these are the sorts of things to consider when we're talking about step number one in terms of collecting data. But then the second thing is, the second step of the, the data lifecycle really here is, okay, once you collect the data, where are you actually storing it? Because we have to make sure that we're able to store the data in um, a secure place, number one, um, but secondly, a place that's easily accessible for the future. Because if you're bringing in, say, an outside vendor or an outside consultant to actually implement artificial intelligence or build a model, they have to be able to access the data that you've collected, right? It's the kind of the metaphor or the yeah, the metaphor of a tree falling in the woods, if nobody's there to hear it, did a tree really fall, right? So you collect really, really great data, very clean, um, very applicable to what you're trying to solve, but nobody can really access it. Did you really collect that data at all, right? So that's the same sort of mentality. So Razor encourages people to really think about it from that perspective as well. When you're collecting the data, how are you storing it? Um, make sure that you actually have a structure uh, that is forward thinking to make to to have the foresight to say, okay, if I'm bringing in data scientists later, or if I'm going to build 
build out a data science team, is it going to be possible for them to very easily access the sort of data that I've collected? And the other considerations that Raza really um, encourages us to think about is also, you know, the implications of things like GDPR that have come in that really start to regulate how we actually store our data because we can't necessarily store all data now, um, especially in in uh, in Europe, because of the GDPR uh, regulations. So, you know, when you are storing data, what are you storing and making sure that you abide by those regulations? That's step number two, right? So step number one, we are collecting the right data. Step number two is we're storing that data in a good place. And then step number three is, is probably one of the most important things. You know, once you actually have data, or even before that stage, you have to make sure that you're collecting the data that solves a business problem, right? Because if you collect all the data under the sun and you invest really heavily in a data strategy, but you actually don't know why you're collecting it or for what reason, then it's really, you, you really, again, have this idea of a boat that has no direction. You're just floating, right? If there's no direction um, for you actually to, to be heading towards because you have a goal and an outcome because you want to solve a very specific business problem, then all the data that you potentially collect could be moot or you could be missing out nuances and, and not collecting supplementary data that could be really useful to this business problem. So really, step number three in this life cycle is how does the data that you've collected, how does it relate to a business problem? Because you're going to be building systems, you're going to be building um, algorithms and investing in these projects um, based on the data that you've actually collected and the data that you have stored. But if this doesn't relate to a specific business problem, then why are you doing it in the first place? So really in, in, in a, counter, a counterintuitive way, the third step really needs to be a consideration at the very start, right? Start with the end in mind. Understand why you're doing this, uh, what business problem are you actually trying to solve, which will allow you to focus on the right data. And then and then when you, you do collect it and you do store it in the right way, then you can actually know how to apply it. So that's really important. And that's one of the under um, the underpinning themes from this whole conversation with Razor is really the impact of data, the nuance here of what we mean by uh, the data lifecycle and how do you go about actually collecting it. But like later on from that, we start to dovetail uh, in the conversation into this idea of AI education, because you know the purpose of this podcast is to try to educate the world and democratize access to AI education. And this is really important, but Radza goes, goes further than that and says, you know, a lot of education comes in mini experiments. And this is true in any facet of life, really, but also in business. You know, we have this whole agile, lean methodology when we're talking about sprints um, and we're talking about really tight feedback loops. And Radza encourages the same sort of mentality when we're thinking about AI education, because if you don't understand uh, what AI can do, the applications of AI, what's possible with AI, and you don't even really know how to start brainstorming about your business problems, right? If you're in the insurance space and you don't necessarily know that AI can help um, help with fraud detection, well, you don't even know to start to think around um, fraud detection or anomaly detection or the underwriting process in terms of applying AI. So having a baseline understanding of AI is very important because it, again, helps with direction of your thinking. But... In terms of a practical point of view, I asked Raza about, okay, well, if people don't know what they don't know about AI, where do they start? And he says, okay, you know, there's a lot of material out there nowadays in terms of use cases for similar industries. Um, AI is at the point of maturity where uh, there have been very, very early adopters that have taken the leap already. 
right? So you have insurance companies experimenting with chatbots to automate the customer service process. Uh, so an example here is to actually buy an insurance policy end to end, you can now interact purely with the chatbot and actually purchase that without ever having to speak to a human. You have the retail industry where a lot of companies are now looking into machine learning to predict sales volumes and customer demand for particular products to mitigate against inventory surplus. You have the legal industry that is developing uh, natural language processing to scan documents to create search engines so you can actually search through all of these documents really easily to find precedent. These sorts of things are already playing out in industries today and Razor encourages any business, business owner, business executives to start just to look to you know, uh, potential, uh, potentially adjacent uh, competitors or people in their industry to understand how AI could be used there. So that's, I think, the first step he encourages people to think about in terms of trying to educate themselves about the applications of AI or what's possible. But the second step really, he says, is start very small. You know, the idea of experimentation as a way to learn, keep that feedback loop type. And that's what he says. He says, you know, pick a very specific scenario in your business. If we took the insurance industry again, if somebody was thinking about AI and said, oh, I want to change the customer experience overall, you know, that would probably would be slightly too ambiguous, slightly too broad. But if they said something very specific in terms of, I would like to increase uh, the retention of our current clients by X percent by the end of this year, then that's something very specific. And then we can start to think around what sort of AI applications can be used uh, to actually help increase the client retention rather than just improve the customer experience overall. So that's the level of um, granularity that Raz thinks is very important for, for his clients to keep in mind as well as businesses overall to keep in mind. So on a tangible level, if we take a very specific problem in your company, something that is particularly painful where there's a lot of inefficiencies and you're losing money or you'd like to see a very large uplift right now, then you can say, okay, I'm gonna start small with this and I'm going to try to implement an AI strategy, whether it's through your internal capabilities, whether it's through bringing outside vendors. And by doing that, you're actually investing in your learnings because not only are you going to learn about what's possible with AI in the process, but you're going to learn about you know what you're going to be able to validate your own data lifecycle throughout that right have you collected the right data uh, in the first place if you have fantastic if you haven't then you have to go back that step and start to put in those structures and put in those frameworks to collect the right data you know are you storing that data so whether you have you bring in an outside vendor or you're doing it internally are you able to actually uh, access the data that you've collected very easily again if you have fantastic if you haven't then it it encourages you and gives you the uh, it gives you that feedback to go ahead and fix those processes. So by actually starting small and trying, and this is a really key thing as well. And there's a lot of disillusionment with the idea of AI as well, because a lot of people think if you implement an AI strategy, it's going to be a guaranteed ROI. It's definitely going to work. It's still an experiment, it's still a learning process. So implementing an AI strategy isn't going to guarantee you an ROI, but when you are able to find the areas in which it works the best. Um, and has the greatest uplift, that's when you're going to have um, a, a, a material return on your investment that is significantly higher than what was possible
possible without AI. So when you're thinking about that and you're focusing on that specific problem and you're able to solve it, then the learnings that come from that are significant. Not only, as I said before, in terms of educating yourself on what's possible with AI or educating your business on what's possible with AI, but making sure and validating the processes that you can actually put into place that can really increase the probability of having that really high ROI return. So that's what Raza talks about in terms of educating yourselves in business. But then this last aspect uh, that we then talk about, which I really like to talk to our guests about because it just grounds things in the practical and, and in the tangible, right? But it's this idea around business use cases. So we, we try to, um, I guess we t- try to tie a bow around a lot of what Raza talks about. And so I, I ask him, you know, all these things around data, all these things around life cycles of data um, and, and what he's seen from his clients, where does this actually work today? And Razor is responsible for a lot of the cybersecurity um, at Microsoft. And what he says is when you're monitoring cybersecurity, this is, a, this is a big use case for AI, right? So when I say monitoring cybersecurity, he's responsible and his team are responsible for detecting malware, right? Uh, whether that's from um, yeah, whether that's from a firewall perspective or whether that's from you know a software supply chain perspective. So when a company like Microsoft creates software, it has to go through a number of different stages before it's delivered to an end user. And it's during those stages that there's a vulnerability here that malware or a virus or something nefarious could actually be Im- inputted into the actual software. So to guard against that, they use AI. And this is the same with cybersecurity if you're trying to detect uh, attacks on a server or attacks um, that are trying to penetrate firewalls. Again, they use AI to do that. And the reason why it's so efficient is because when you're trying to process and you're trying to monitor hundreds of millions of data points, um, different hundreds of millions of files, whatever it might be, then this is a huge volume that suddenly becomes very prohibitive for a human team to be able to monitor manually. So implementing AI from that perspective definitely helps at scale, but it's also being able to detect uh, potential, um, potential characteristics of an attack or characteristics of malware before humans would be able to do it. And this is through uh, high volumes of pattern recognition, through hundreds of millions of files, AI is able to essentially detect what looks like malware, what looks like an attack, and it's able to identify those proactively and and alert the team to address that and look into that. So that's that's where um, these sorts of things are being implemented for Raz's team. And if we just take that back and try to apply the life cycle of of um, the life cycle of data to those scenarios, we think about uh, is the right data being collected, right? A lot of Microsoft's processes, and this is me not speaking on behalf of Microsoft, nor Raz is speaking on behalf of Microsoft. These are me making inferences from the discussion we've had. Is a lot of those processes for cybersecurity and for the software supply chain, they're collecting uh, a lot of that data automatically, right? So they're making sure that the data is clean. From there, they're making sure that the data they have access um, is very easily accessible to them, um, which is step number two of that life cycle. And then step number three is how does it relate to the business problem? Well, the business problem they're trying to solve here is to identify attacks on cybersecurity before they happen or identify malware in software before it's shipped to an end consumer. These are the business problems they're trying to solve and they're making sure that the data they've collected is very relevant to that, right? So that's 
That's practically speaking how that data lifecycle really plays out in the business use cases Raza talks about. But then he just zooms out as well. And he just talks about different industries because as we spoke about in the AI education section of the, or, or part of the interview and conversation, he encourages us to look to different industries to see the tangible use cases of AI right now. And those tangible use cases he sees uh, in customer service. There's AI right now that instead of waiting to get on a phone call with uh, potentially um, upset or frustrated customers, which then uh, is a real time sink and a real, um, uh, and, and it's quite expensive for your customer service reps to actually identify what the problem is on the phone. There's now AI and machine learning implemented in these sorts of organizations that are preempting what these concerns may be before the phone call even happens. So there's uh, alerts that go out to the customer service team if a potential uh, customer is showing um, a disposition or showing uh, certain activities that would suggest that based on past use cases, based on past examples, um, based on past uh, frustrated customer service calls, this customer may be on track to make a call in the future. So let's preempt that by trying to solve those problems um, before they even get to the point of needing to make a call. You know, that's a tangible use case in customer service. And um, Raza really talks about the financial service industry as well as an industry he expects to see a very tangible um, development and adoption of AI moving forwards in the next 12 to 24 months. And what he speaks about in terms of financial services mirrors what happens with uh, his cybersecurity use case and the software supply chain is around how to identify um, your potentially nefarious activity before uh, it actually happens and how do we use patent recognition from millions and millions and millions of data points to uh, to expedite that process or to make that process of identifying fraud in the case of financial services a lot more efficient than we can currently do uh, with humans. So that's where he sees financial services playing out. So they're the main use cases um, that Raza talks about, but to really tie this entire episode up, we really end with what is a very practical insight for everybody listening here around data and around uh, AI strategy implementation, and that's around a three-month ROI. And this is so this is so interesting to talk about here because a lot of our other uh, interviewees, a lot of uh, consultants and experts in the space of AI, really focus on the longer-term. Uh, ROI. They talk about the 18-month, the five-year, the 10-year. And Raza doesn't disagree with this. And this is not at all to trivialize or downplay how important it is to look at the long term. But what becomes very interesting is when I ask Raza around how does a company actually get a three-month ROI? And, you know, funnily enough, the Raza is still talking about the same sort of long-term thinking because the prerequisites to get a three-month ROI require validated processes of that data lifecycle already, right? He talks about if you're already collecting data, if you're already using that data in other scenarios in your business, if that data is already useful to your company, if humans are able to already make decisions from that data, which really ticks off step number one and step number two, collecting the right data and storing that data in an accessible place in the data lifecycle, ticks off those two um, parts, which really represent a very large time sink or a time investment, really. It's not a time 
sync at all, actually. It's a time investment uh, and resource investment from a company to get to that point of data maturity where they can benefit from AI. So when he talks about a three-month ROI, he's really just talking about, okay, if a company is mature enough to have already gone through those initial uh, stages of the data lifecycle, then in three months, perhaps they're able to get an ROI by identifying the right business problem and applying that data to that business problem. So really the three-month ROI for businesses that have already invested, you know, 12, 18 months uh, and more than that in their data strategy already. So there's a real consistency there across what Raza talks about, what um, our other guests have talked about, and really really is an underpinning philosophy in the AI uh, industry overall, which is, you know, experimentation is very important uh, to, to learn learn about AI, what it's possible, about how to implement it. But through that experimentation, what we're trying to really, uh, what we're trying to really validate and what we're trying to really optimize here is our data lifecycle. So that's that's very important. Um, and Raza really ties that in a bow um, at the end of our conversation. So that is the analysis of uh, the Raza Syed conversation. He's a distinguished engineer and one of the biggest companies in the world in Microsoft. So a lot of his experience, a lot of his insights are really grounded in that credibility. So it was he was a fantastic guest to have on. Uh, we have a stack more guests of his caliber coming up and we're, we're working as hard as we can to, to get the very best talent, the very best minds on this podcast to really distill down insights that you can take away and you can start to implement in your business. So that's what we're about here at Inflection AI. This is an analysis episode and up next we have a main interview with a head of ai at ericsson where we talk about some really fantastic applications of 5g and where that's taking the world of ai as well as business in general so stay tuned for that next week but until then i'm james newen and this is the inflection ai podcast 